0: Just want to read uh, a couple of verses from 2 Timothy. This is our kind of last session, if you like, of the, of the three we've done, uh, that God's faithful for us, faithful to us. And really, I want to kind of turn the camera around a little bit now, if you like. We've looked at uh, how Jesus has been faithful on our behalf. We've looked at what he's done for us and encouraging humility as well. But also now, to so just kind of Turn that around ourselves, okay, well, when we go from this place, do we want to make a difference? I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that changes the world, not in my own strength, but changes the world for Jesus, and make a difference to all people. And um, there's these great verses in 2 Timothy 2 that I kind of nick the title, Faithful or Faithless, from. It says this, uh, this saying is trustworthy. If we've died with him, speaking of Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. I don't know about you, but I'm just encouraged, kind of on a light reading of that, that when we're faithless, he's still faithful. Paul says it's a trustworthy saying. He's passing it on to his apprentice, Timothy. He's kind of saying, look, young pastor, Timothy, with your church, your congregation, this is something that is helpful. This is something that's worth learning from, something to depend on. That despite our faithlessness, despite the faithlessness of your congregation, And it will happen that God is faithful. He's still faithful to save, even when we make mistakes, even when we're messing up. These verses don't mean that God abandons us when we get it wrong. Um, But when it talks here about the fact that if we deny him, he will also deny us, that's more kind of pattern of behavior. So if we're continually denying Jesus as the Son of God, continually denying his kind of death and his resurrection, then he'll deny us in the sense of, well... We're not Christians, so we won't get to spend eternity with Him. Hell is very real. A lot of the time we don't like to talk about hell, do we? But the reality is, we're kind of, if it's not for God's grace, that's where we're going, that's where we're at, that's our destiny. But God's grace kind of covers that and takes us to glory with Him. We're a hair's breadth from that at any one time, it seems. And that's why there's, I think, and there should be urgency for us to live lives. That point to Jesus. You know, I don't know how many thousands of people have come into this place today, but time is marching on, isn't it? We don't know what the next challenge will be. I mean, just in the news yesterday, there was that shooting out in Oregon, and the guy was saying, uh, the, uh, the gunman was saying, you know, if you're a Christian, stand up, you know, and if you're a Christian, he shot them. So the second person, so he shoots the first one, murders the first person, and the second one, he gets, well, are you a Christian? And they said, yes, and then... That person was also executed. And you kind of, we're in a world where time is short. We don't know what's going to come tomorrow. We don't know what's going to come today. And yet sometimes we live in such a kind of, we don't live like uh, tomorrow could be our final day on earth. We don't depend upon God's faithfulness, do we? A lot of the time we're just kind of run of the mill, just carrying on as life has always been. And so I just want to kind of challenge us to make actually what might seem like small changes in the way that we conduct our attitude, and the way that we live our lives. And don't get me wrong here, this will hopefully challenge you. If it doesn't challenge you, then we'll probably have to revisit the humility stuff. But I'm not having a go at you. That's what I want to say. I don't know most of you. For the three of you that I do know, I'm not having a go at you. Um, but rather, actually, this is what the Word of God talks about. And actually, if we're talking about how do we live out our faith in a really real way today, how do we live out our faith in such a way that we point to Christ There's a couple of things that might seem insignificant, but are actually massive. Uh, We can't save ourselves, and so we want people to see Christ, don't we? And there's some verses that have just been, over the last few months, really speaking to me. One's from Ephesians chapter 4, and the other's from Philippians. And this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. It says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, the very notion of the third person of the Trinity, person, not a thing, not an inanimate object, a person, and us being able to grieve him, us being able to cause him sorrow. Now, this is Christians that this letter is written to. So Paul is writing to Christians and saying, you can grieve God the Holy Spirit by the way you conduct yourselves. The very notion of that is not appealing to me. I don't want to cause God grief. I don't want him to experience sorrow over the way that I conduct myself. The Spirit who seals us for the day of redemption, we can cause sorrow to. The very one who rescues us and regenerates us, we can cause sorrow to. And uh, that scares me, really. That's not the kind of thing that I signed up for when I became a Christian. Don't want to be causing God grief. Now, but let me just explain to you why that verse in particular and the one from Philippians 2 uh, have been really important to me. I've realized something about myself, particularly, I would say, in the last year, but particularly the last few months and over the summer, that I've been a bit grumpy. Now, you guys don't know me, so you, you can assume that that's true. Um, I've been grumpy, I've been moany, I've had a reputation for being a bit of a whinge, a bit of an eel. My daughter, who is probably having fun out there somewhere, she's gone shopping or something, um, she loves dinosaurs and invented that daddy, with mummy's help, was Monasaurus. That was the nickname that she kind of coined. Fortunately, I think she's forgotten about it now. Um, but God has rather painfully been opening my eyes over the last few months about my attitude, the way that I speak, the way that I think. And what actually people see when I, when I talk to them or when I meet them. I've got countless stories that I could share um, of me being grumpy in Morrisons or um, grumpy in car parks when people that don't have children park in child and toddler base and getting into arguments with disabled people that can't walk because they should be in the disabled bay. Countless stories where I just get myself into trouble because I shoot my mouth off because I'm grumpy. And we can all do that. We can all reel off a list of first world problems, can't we? You know, I get grumpy if I lose at FIFA, or I run out of toilet roll, or I spill my drink, or I'm on a slow train, or I've got constant battery life, well, no battery life on my iPhone. Or I've not got enough money to get the latest TV that I want to get this month. Life's not fair. There'll be countless other things that you'll be thinking of now. I couldn't afford the nice burger and I wanted the more expensive burger. Or I've wanted this for ages, but this bill's come in and it's just not fair. And you'd kind of be forgiven for thinking, well, actually, well, what's the problem with me having a bit of a moan or a bit of a whinge or being a bit grumbly? How does that cause grief to God the Holy Spirit? Surely it's people that are hating people. Surely it's murderers and thieves that are causing grief to God the Holy Spirit. And yes, of course they are. Because it's sin. But I just want you to see here what boxes in that verse. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And that's the verse that precedes the one about grieving God the Holy Spirit. The verse that follows that is this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You know, when the Bible does this, the Bible has, uh, the way that it's been written is just, well, it's beautiful, really. But uh, the authors aren't stupid. They use devices, literary devices, to get their point across. And this is one. If something is sandwiched in between pretty much the same point, it goes, it stands to reason that, well, the application for what we're reading in the middle is found in the verses that are in and around it. So in this case... Paul is saying we grieve God the Holy Spirit, we cause grief and sorrow to the person of God the Holy Spirit by corrupting talk coming out of our mouths, by our grumbling, by our bitterness, by our wrath, by our anger, by our malice. Another passage that demonstrates this, it's not an isolated passage. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or questioning. That... He says, that you may be. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Here again, Paul is talking about how other people perceive us, how other people see us. How Jeff down your local or your next door neighbor, that when they look at you, what do they think? They know you're a Christian. What do they see? How do you interact with them? And I, I have a confession that When I started to kind of, as God started to kind of unroot some stuff and really kind of do a bit of work on my heart, that I was a bit miffed actually. I wasn't too happy with Paul, the apostle that had written these things. He can't be for real. Surely there are bigger problems in life than whether I grumble or moan. Surely having a whinge isn't all that bad. You know, what about lying, killing, stealing? Why is he not talking about that? Why is he not saying don't kill people and then you'll be my follower? But he's saying don't whinge, don't moan, don't be bitter. The point I think he's making is that, I don't know about you, but I've not met that many people that have murdered someone. I've not really met that many kind of thieves. Actually, most people that you interact with will not be kind of, you know, psychopathic murders that, you know, they're not doing stupid things. That's not most people that you'll meet. But most people that you will meet in society would moan would grumble, would whinge. Changing the small things actually makes a huge difference culturally. You see, the culture of the street is grumbling, moaning. All you have to do is go and sit in a coffee shop for 10 minutes. I do this every week because I don't have an office because our church is new. We're only a year old, so we don't have premises. We meet in a school. We set up. We sit down. So I have to work from home, but with two young kids, that's nigh and impossible. So I go to a coffee shop and just sit there and you know, people watch because that's fun instead of actually doing work. But you sit there and you just listen, not in a kind of weird way. I'm not like eavesdropping. But you can just overhear conversations in the coffee shop. And I tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I just had to put my headphones in because I was raging. <laughs> I was so like, it was, just, it was just awful. It was just moan, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble. And on this occasion, it just happened to be a group of middle-aged women It's not always the case that it's a group of middle-aged women. But on this occasion, it was. And it was just depressing to listen to. It was all, this is going on at school, and it's terrible, and blah, blah. My impression's really good. Um, Oh, my biscuit's not very nice. How much are they charging me for my coffee? It's not even warm. And it was just moan, 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 moan. The whole time, nobody had a positive thing to say. You see, what comes out of our mouth, what we say when things don't go our way or we encounter problems, says a lot about whose kingdom we serve. You know, if we're serving our own kingdom, if we're self-serving in our identity and who we are, we will moan, we will grumble because things will not go our way. But if we're more concerned with the kingdom of God, we will start to change and start to cut it out. You see, being a Christian, I think we need, it's almost as if, when we get this new life and we put our our faith in Jesus, that we have this new DNA. We should look different. Now, I don't mean physically, but in the way that we speak, in our attitudes, the way that we conduct ourselves. There should be a difference. There should be a change. If you've met Christ, you should not be the same as you were before. Now, that could be a slow process. And there could be lots of things that God needs to do some kind of work on. But we should not be the same. We should be constantly changing to be more like jesus to live differently to be able to shine in the darkness because if we're still living in the same way that we were we're not shining anything we're just blending in with everybody else so the question that kind of springs to my mind is do i really have to stop moaning do i really have to stop grumbling do i really have to not be grumpy according to the bible the answer is yes and actually, by putting those things into action, it can make a huge difference. Yes, even about the weather, to not have a moan and a grumble. Yes, about the massive queue in Tesco. Even people in car parks who can't drive. Even our politicians, and whether we liked the way the election went or not. Let's not have a moan about it. You know, my social media stuff, the day after the election, was just full of angry Christians. Well, either Christians that were really happy, actually on one side or just angry people on the left and it was just oh, no, no, no. I just felt like screaming it's like there are more important things in life than having a moan and a grumble about who's in power and actually that's you know it doesn't actually project well does it I mean I remember the uh, this is if you slightly off piece but I'm not C of E but I remember when they were doing the whole women bishops thing and if you were to just go on twitter and have a look at the conversation that was going on. It would horrify you. Christians just tearing stuff out of each other, getting angry, moaning, grumbling. If I was a non-Christian watching on, I'd be like, no thank you, I don't want any of that. And that's just social media. You can imagine in person. It would just be volatile. You see, by not grumbling, we actually shine a light into the darkness. It might seem like a tiny thing, But actually, for a world watching on, it's huge. They start to ask questions. Well, why aren't you like me? Why are you different? You know, is Paul really saying, if I quit grumbling, if I quit moaning about stuff, then I will shine in the darkness? Because that would appear to be what he's saying. Is he really saying that? Is he really saying that we look more like the children of God when we do that? And the answer is yes remarkably. And I can tell you from my own experience here that actually it's making a difference. I actually had someone a couple of months ago. I was a bit sarcastic with them. But they were saying, oh, carry on being encouraging. Keep smiling. You're doing a great job. I was helping at the food bank. And I said, well, I'm always encouraging. I'm always happy. Thinking he'd turn around and go, yeah, right. You know, I know what you're really like. And actually he said, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. And I thought, get in. He doesn't really know me for a first <laughs> But I thought, actually, that's important. That Actually, there is a change happening in my life. I am less grumpy than I was before. Some of you might differ, I don't know. I think they'll agree with me. Um, And actually, in those moments, you then have the opportunity again to point beyond yourself. To say, well, yes, the reason I have joy in my life is because I've got Jesus in my life. The reason I'm hopeful, the reason I speak positively about everybody is because I have a Savior who speaks positively about me. I have a Savior who loves me, who died for me, who gives me new life. I'm a child of God now. We have that joy, that peace from God, and we have reason to delight in living for him. I'll just give you an example uh, of an observation that I've made. And actually, it's dead funny. This observation I wrote before our lunchtime today, but it happened at lunch today. I'm not going to name which restaurant we are, but it was Mexican. And... uh, you know, if you go to a restaurant and your waiter or waitress really cannot be bothered, you, you know it, don't you? You know, that's all they do for a living. Yeah, they're so mardy, you wouldn't believe it. It's like, at least smile, love. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. If she's mega grumpy, you know what? I start being a bit grumpy, too. I'm like, oh, well, she's flipping away with this food. I've been waiting for this fruit salad for half an hour for my daughter. I'm not going to have fruit salad, don't be silly. But you start feeling a bit grumpy. It starts affecting your meal. You like, "Well, oh, I'm going to be late. I'm not enjoying this meal anymore. Because she can't smile at me. She not look happy. And this happened today, actually. And actually, it kind of shades your view of not just the meal, but the whole chain, the restaurant chain. I'm now thinking this, you know, random Mexican restaurant that happened to be in lots of different places. I mean, it could be Pizza Express. Um, it's a little bit like us representing the kingdom of God. For me now... She's kind of colored my view of the unnamed Mexican restaurant. I go, well, I'll probably think twice about eating there again because I don't want service like that. Well, the same is true of the kingdom of God. If you like, what happens if it's the reverse? What happens if you have a smiley, happy waiter? Not in an annoying way, you're not in a asking you, are you all right every five minutes, but just in a really delighting, really full of joy, wiping tables, clearing away. A pleasure. Likewise, the joyful waiter leaves a lasting impression of a place you would like to go back to. You think, Oh, I'll tip you. You know what? I didn't tip the woman today, I probably should've done, should have been generous, might have cheered her up. Maybe that's why she's not getting tips. Maybe I need to listen to that and go back and give her some money afterwards. But when we represent the kingdom of God, you've got to consider that's what we're doing. We are representing the kingdom. Just as the woman is representing the Mexican restaurant, or the joyful waiter is, is representing his restaurant, we are representing the kingdom of God. What impression do we give and paint to people? Do you see what I mean? If we're people that are giving impression of grumpiness, moaniness, just generally it's terrible. They're gonna look at that and go, well, you talk about this savior that's changed your life, but it doesn't look like it to me. I'm alright, thank you. I don't really want a piece of that. People are watching on. And we have to realize that our moanings and our grumblings, even though they seem small and insignificant, do have a huge impact. And more than just what the impact on people, we're told here in Scripture that it causes grief to God. I don't want to do that, do you? Do you want to be grieving God the Holy Spirit? You know, I want to be pleasing God the Holy Spirit. I want to be full of God the Holy Spirit, that he would just be uh, willing to use me and go through me and be emp- I'd be empowered by him to do his work today that's what I want you know the problem is if we say oh it's okay a bit of moaning a bit of grumbling because it's seemingly insignificant well what happens next what becomes acceptable for us as Christians that was interesting with just the kind of ethical kind of conversations what line is acceptable behavior where do we draw the line where do we start to look different to the rest of the world You know, I kind of think about this as one guy I can think of in particular in my church. And he has this amazing reputation. And it's a reputation of people always say of him, they say, Oh, this guy here never says a bad word about anybody, never hear any corrupting talk out of his mouth, always builds people up, always encourages people. And you know what? Everybody loves him. Non Christians, he, he talks to his hairdresser about faith, and she, she loves it. She's not come to church, yeah, but she's engaged because she sees something different within him. That's an amazing testimony to carry to a crooked generation. Never a bad word comes out of this person's mouth, because we have to be different. We have to be different to the rest of the world. Jesus says, "Walk the narrow path, not the wide road. Follow after me. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But the way that we speak is really important." You might go, "Okay, great. Well, how do we stop it? If it's something that just comes naturally." Well, we've got to kind of... It's back to what we talked about earlier. It's that humility. It's that humbling ourselves of when we're aware that we grumble, if we're aware of it, then we can stop it. You know, why is it that my line at the petrol queue is always the slowest? It's okay. It really doesn't matter. You know, because the reason you're saying that is, I don't deserve to wait longer. Well, why don't you deserve to wait longer? Or... You know, why does it always rain when I want a barbecue? Why does it always rain when I want a barbecue? Because it does. Because it's one of those things. You know, the way that we moan and the way that we grumble is near enough, always, always as a result of things not going our way. And we have to assess, do these things actually, in the grand scheme of things, the grand scheme of eternal destinies being on the line, really matter? If things don't ultimately go our way or not? That's the question we've got to start asking ourselves. It's a question we probably don't ask ourselves very often, but it's one we should. If eternal destinies are on the line, if I'm representing Christ and I want to represent Him well, does it matter if it rains on my birthday or that I have to work and I don't want to or I'm poorly or whatever? Again, we have to look beyond ourselves, look to the hope we have in Jesus of the perfect man who kept his eyes fixed on what he was doing. And actually, by remaining fixed on him and committing to living like him, we do shine in the darkness. Look at the encouragement from these verses. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. So that's like a stop being naughty. That you might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The very next verse says, you shine as lights by holding fast to the word of God. Well, the word of God's just taught us how we're to live our life. So we hold fast to it. We hold fast to the truth of it. In other words, we hold fast to Jesus and who he was. And as then we have no need to not shine brightly into the darkness. You see, the challenge for us The whole of today is God has been faithful. Now, can we be faithful in the small things too? Are there things in our life where we're being faithless? That we can actually start to pursue faithfulness towards God. And the challenge is not to just carry on as we always have done. The challenge is not to just sit there and go, oh, you've got a point, but flippin' spoke for long. You know, oh, I've done it again. The challenge here, in one sense, is to turn our pessimism into optimism, to believe the best in people, to speak well of people, to honor people, to lead godly lives, because our identity is of children of God. We're changed. We're new. The old is gone. The new has come. And by God's grace, we need to desire to represent him, because time is short. And you know what? There is loads to be done in building the kingdom of God, because there are loads of people that still don't know about Jesus. Jesus. You know, why do we plant a church? Why do we start a church? Because loads of people need to hear about him. Why do I want the church to be bigger and grow? Because I want more people to hear about him. So I want as many people as possible to hear the good news about Jesus and make a decision for Christ. Now, if I can in my life, by changing some small things, representing better and make a difference to that and help that end, then that's what I've got to do. And that's what we've all got to do. But you know what? If you go from here going, I'm just going to be a good person, I can nail it, you will fail. This is the the moment where we say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you, but I want to please you. And we need to be empowered. We need to be filled with the Spirit to be able to live these new lives. Because actually, it's Christ that enables us to do it. It's his Spirit that enables us to be different. It's his work within us that helps us and helps us to endure and points us on our way. So why don't we just take a moment and uh, we'll pray together. And I think the prayer is, you know, Holy Spirit, will you fill us? Holy Spirit, will you empower me to live for you? Will you empower me that I would uh, desire to build your kingdom? Would you empower me that actually I'll make a difference in the world that I live in by representing Jesus and God well? by representing the kingdom of God well. That's got to be our prayer, hasn't it? And that's got to be our prayer every day, hasn't it? Not just on Sundays or Saturdays at conferences. It's got to be, God, I need you. God, I need your help. I can't do this by myself, but I want to live for you, and I need your help. I need your grace in making changes in my heart, in making changes in my life, that I will be more godly. That I would actually step into the fullness of who we are supposed to be. The children of God are to look different to the rest of the world. Isn't it about time we stepped into that destiny? Isn't it about time people saw us as the children of God? Why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now to fill our hearts. That we'd be filled with your spirit that we would know you, we would encounter you in this moment. And God, we pray that you would encourage us that if we can make these small changes in our lives, if we can begin to put these changes into action as Paul talks about, that we can shine brightly into the darkness, that we can make a difference in the world, that we'll be able to point people to Jesus well that we would be full of peace and joy and hope. That as people look upon us and people are watching all the time, that people would see this joy, people would see this peace, people would see this hope that we have. God, we ask for your forgiveness as well for the times we mess up and those times we're faithless. But we thank you that you are faithful and we just ask for more of your grace. That God, we would be able to continue to just put our trust in you, continue to walk with you. God, we pray that as we go from this place, you would continue to mold us and shape us, that we'll be people that build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.